Hi, I'm Graham Mack. Welcome to the Pod 20, the countdown of the most popular podcasts in the world right now. This week, my special guest is the legendary podcaster and broadcaster, Ross Williams. Ross, we hear you on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. And you worked with the late Jonathan Coleman as one half of the Ross and Jono Breakfast Experience on Richard Branson's Virgin Radio in the 90s. I mean, the original Virgin, in my view, and maybe a lot of other people's views, was the best because it was so new, it was so different, it was different times compared to the current Virgin, which is a different animal. It's run by a big conglomerate. The original Virgin was... Richard Branson, a few of his mates, and a couple of uh, backers uh, through Apex um, and a, an independent board, a, a completely different to sort of Murdoch opera, operation that it is now. Um, and I, I, I think because it, in that form or in an organic form that was similar to it, it, it isn't able to put out those shows. Maybe one day, I mean, I don't know. I doubt it, mm, to be honest. Yeah. But they were it's a different fun. environment now because when you were totally. doing that, you were the first commercial national music station and you were the yes, first we were. commercial national music station breakfast show. Whereas now, we it, it, now in the whole blokes. spectrum of radio. <laughs> yeah. As well. Yeah. Which was That's right, not a guy unusual. and a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then Mark and Lard um, turned up on Radio 1 and did a great job. Mm -hmm. um, and it was interesting that we were at the vanguard there. I mean, it could have gone horribly wrong, mm. but it didn't. Um, we just got lucky. I always say it. We just got lucky. Something clicked and of its time. It was of its time. But originally it was just you, wasn't it, that, on The Breakfast Show? Only for a couple of months, two or three months. Right. Yeah. And, so did you know um, did you know Jono before he joined the show or was it a four? Yeah, yeah, I met him and I was aware of him. Yeah. Um uh, but it was John Revel who just said, How do you fancy you two doing it? Why don't you try it? You know, a nice in for a penny and in for a pound. Best shout by a radio boss ever. Um and um I was really pleased to have done it. I mean, you can't be precious. Just get on with it. And we yeah. did. And boy, yeah. we had some fun. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. Are there any moments that stand out? Well, I mean, th th there's a lot of moments that stand out uh, off the air and on the air. One of the stories that I told on the tribute to uh, Jono, and it actually happened, we were at Euro Disney for the launch of Space Mountain, the new ride. And uh, lots of radio stations from all over Europe were with us in the same area. And we took some listeners, never a good thing. And not because they weren't nice, because they got on the source. And in the morning when they needed to be awake, they were all hung over, you know, like this. Um, but we had a German radio station next to us, a mid-link. Jono went over and said, uh, oh, live on the air, Jonathan Coleman, Russ and Jono from Virgin Radio in the United Kingdom. Who are you? And this bloke, he said, well, I'm Dieter from wherever, FM in Germany. And um, Jono said, there's some Russ and Jono car stickers. We had these long car stickers with our mugshots on and yellow, I think they were. Uh, nice to meet you guys. And then just as he turned away, he said, have you got any of your swastikas? And the place collapsed. <laughs> 
It was of its time. <laughs> but, uh, it's one of the moments that I always remember. And on the same trip, um, we tried to get Claudia Schiffer and David Copperfield, who were in a relationship. Yeah, of course they were, uh, for PR reasons, I think. Um, we stood on the red carpet with our, you know, Morant's recorders and we're going to get an interview with them. And they came skipping like a Disney characters, you know, down the red carpet. And we went, uh, Claudia, David, Russell, John, Virgin Radio, how are you? And they just went, hi, and, walked, and just ran past. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't want to stop. <laughs> so the next morning we thought, right, we're going to get you. And for the whole show, we're trailing and coming up, a Russ and John exclusive, you know, David Copperfield, Claudia Schiffer on the show, only half an hour to go, really building up. And then we just played out that clip. Claudia, David, Russ and John are here. Can we have a quick word? Hi. And just made them look stupid because I'm not saying they are stupid, but that's why they're there. Yeah. To do some PR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the, the other really funny, funny thing, and we did have lots of other hilarious things and, and a few things that did go badly wrong, like the Steve Wright sheep incident at the Radio Academy in Birmingham. This, this is, uh, this where, is where, where hadn't uh, Jono, and, I, and I'm only hearing the story secondhand, so tell me which bits of this are true, because this is kind of legendary in radio, and, and it's probably yeah. been embellished a lot. I heard that Jono had described Radio 1 listeners as sheep at some stage on the air, or yeah, repeatedly on the air. Yeah. yeah. And so then there's a there's there's a Radio One Roadshow somewhere, and Jono shows up with no. sheep. No, we were invited to speak at the Radio Academy, and so it was Steve Wright, and uh, I think Nikki Campbell was there. There was a lot of people from the world of radio who were invited to say a few things, and and we were one of them. We were at the top of a hotel in Birmingham, looking down on Steve Wright doing is Radio 1 Breakfast Show Roadshow. And they had these sort of metal railings around it. And so we were talking about it on the air and we'd arranged for a flock of sheep to be available <laughs> in the back of this lorry. So I said, I'll keep the show going, take the radio mic, which was cracking up left, right and center because the technology wasn't really there. And Jono dressed as a sort of shepherd with a <laughs> stupid, country bumpkin hat on he looked very good uh opened the gate much to the um, shock of the uh, you know the big beefy bouncers and uh, let the sheep in and uh, and that was a gag and we had we got a picture in the paper and, uh, <laughs> and everything and steve didn't mind it actually he thought it was funny well he, he was yeah. laughing yeah. backstage and because uh, we had a chat with him uh, but you know those were the days really johnny japes and and that kind of stuff, and it, it, you know, it was it was good fun. We have no animosity to Steve. I know Jono was a a big Steve Wright fan, and um, let's face it, if you're a radio person, you would be what he's achieved and how he brought. Has radio there. lost a bit of that fun factor now? When yeah. you hear about things like that these days, they're things on YouTube or on Facebook. They're not. You don't hear them on radio anymore. I think Chris Moyles at Radio X does stuff. Yeah, uh, and you would expect. Chris to do it is a brilliant broadcaster. Um, and I'm sure there are other people that I'm not aware of who do little bits and bobs, but it was it was much more the currency, wasn't yeah. it, of, <laughs> of radio in those days. And it's a completely different industry now. Yeah. Um, you know, playlists are tighter. 
DJs um, asked not to say too much, um, you know, because they're up against Spotify or whatever else. And um, uh, bosses worship Mammon. They need the income and they want it as safe as possible to keep the numbers up. Yeah. We'll get more from my special guest this week, Ross Williams, on The Pod 20, which is heard on podcast radio on DAB in the UK, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms, and as a podcast itself. Let's get into the chart now, and at number 20, The Sam and Billy Show. Sam and Billy are sisters, best friends, entrepreneurs, and mums. 19. Distractable. The Distractable podcast is a space to have thoughtful discussions about funny, out there, or otherwise interesting stories from everyday life. 18. The Always Sunny Podcast. An unofficial look back at the past 14 seasons of the hit show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. 17. Revisionist History. Malcolm Gladwell's journey through the overlooked and misunderstood. 16. The Jordan B. Peterson Podcast. Enlightening discourse that will change the way you think. 15. Monday Morning Podcast. Bill Burr rants about bowl games, dictators and Carlin. 14. On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Fascinating conversations with the most insightful people in the world. Jay's latest guest is Gwyneth Paltrow. 13. SNS Online with Nick Randall. A showcase for actors, musicians, journalists, authors, scriptwriters, stand-up comedians and more. Nick talks to them all. And Nick, SNS Online, it started out as a radio programme in Ireland, didn't it? Yes, okay. So, uh, essentially, I was, uh, there's a friend at work called Dave Timpson, who was doing my job, but he then left uh, with his wife, Lindsay, who we met at BBC, and they fell in love and blah, 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 went to Ireland. And then he became the digital... Uh, overall controller of the digital outlet of RTE. Um, so they were creating eight brand new stations for the DAB market. And one and of them was That's called, the uh, the RTE, if anyone doesn't know, it's the equivalent, the Irish equivalent of the BBC. It's the state broadcast. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's essentially the same sort of vibe, but in Ireland. So, um, yeah. I, uh, they, Dave basically was, was uh, he wanted somebody who could DJ. And I used to DJ in the BBC club on Friday nights and have lots of free beer and get very drunk. Um, wanted somebody who, um, oh, who could like drive a show and stuff like that, present. And he also, um, he he needed a, a gay representation, LGBTQ, because it was, a, it, was, uh, it was a gay night, basically. Wednesdays was gay Wednesdays. Right. And gay Wednesdays, and it was, because it was a dance station, dance music station, I think the assumption there, possibly a little bit lazily, and I don't think it, <laughs> Nowadays, it would be done the same. But no. all the guys love the dance music. So, right. um, you know, and I don't get me wrong. I mean, I just, I, I found out a lot about dance music and there's some, there's some banging tunes out there. It's got to be said. And I got to interview people from the dance music scene and um, and all that stuff. And it was, it was like a magazine show. It was supposed to be lots of fun and a bit silly and bonkers. So I called it Scratch and Sniff because I just thought that was the cool, slightly bonkers of a title. Yeah, but um, it sort of involved something a bit different, and I wanted to do long form interviews with 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 guests. Now, the first one I got was this guy called Lee Thomas, who used to be in a band called Two Thirds in the nineties. Uh, so uh, it, it, that was a sort of a you know dance musicy type of thing. 
So I did a whole hour just with with him and lots of clips of the music and all the rest of it. And I thought, I, I want to do more of those type of shows. And then I started to stretch the remit a bit. And I, I had a, a, a script writer on. It was nothing to do with the LGBTQ thing particularly. It was just it was just a, a, an interesting interview. One was about John Lennon because she she was a, a writer called Gail Renard, who was a friend of John Lennon in the 60s. And so we did one show about John Lennon and one general show about her career. And it it really was nothing. It, I was really moving away from <laughs> what I was supposed to be doing. But they didn't complain. I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't actually being paid for any of these gigs. Actually, even though right. it was RT. RT doesn't have any money. They invented the recession, you know. So, you know, it's this is how it goes. But I think it reached the point where I thought, you know, what I I would like to create something springing from this, but just exactly how I want to do it. Yeah. Um, and so we sort of mutually decided after four years that that I would go. Um, which was fine. And then I, it took me about a year to sort of work out exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to hang on to the name and sort of the identity that, you know, it's grassroots, but I thought I'd homogenize it to SNS because if you're doing like a strokey beard interview about mental health or women's rights in Afghanistan or anything like that, it's just like, you know, you just want to make it a little bit more calmer. But I, so I do occasionally have this awkward conversation with people when I'm trying to get an interview and I, I say it's always SNS. So what does SNS stand for? <laughs> you see, I, I was thinking that you know I'm sort of scratching beneath the surface and having a good sniff of the guests. I thought that that might <laughs> yeah. work. Yeah, I don't know, but anyway, yeah. there you go. But it might. Have, and it might and have RTE didn't have a problem with you using the name because you can get into. I know presenters who have left stations and gone to other stations, and they may have features, and the other stations have uh, the station that they started the feature on won't let them take the feature and they've had to change the name they've done the feature but they've just changed the name of it but uh things like that things you know people just like getting in the way i think yeah it was just a quite sweet homespun sort of um vibe from the beginning as i said i wasn't paid for any of it i came up with the, all, all the ideas they would mm. they were just grateful for the content because like, <laughs> they had an awful lot of content to fill um, yeah. over these eight stations you know um, yeah so I just don't think it was a was an issue at all. I mean, I I, I could have changed the name when I started, but I, you know, had had my name in it somehow. But I just thought I I just like I just liked it. So, uh, but so far they haven't come back to me with a you know a writ or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, SNS Online is at number thirteen this week on the Pod Twenty. At twelve, today in focus, the podcast that brings you closer to Guardian journalism. Eleven. The Jordan Harbinger Show. In-depth conversations with people at the top of their game. 10. The Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmidt. Father Mike reads from a book of fiction that a lot of people think is based on historical fact. And he doesn't answer the question, if Jesus was Jewish, why's he got a Spanish name? Number 9. Shagged Married Annoyed. The only way Rosie and Chris Ramsey can have a conversation without being interrupted by a toddler or ending up staring at their phones is by doing a podcast. 8. Freakonomics Radio The Hidden Side of Everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. 7. Hidden Brain Shankar Vedantam uses science and storytelling to reveal the unconscious patterns that drive human behaviour. 6. Ross and Jono Rebooted Ross is this week's special guest, 
Where are you right now? You're at home. Yes, at home in uh, Hertfordshire. Uh, as you know, from uh, because we're friends, I live in a wood and uh, it's a particularly trying time of year. The leaf blower is working overtime. <laughs> I, was, I was blowing in the back garden today, which isn't, you know, as big as perhaps some people would think, but it's big enough. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've got this system where I blow them in a line down and then I funnel them into where I keep them and what have you, but, you know, forget that. And I turned round when I was halfway through and it was full up again with leaves that were just falling off the trees, so. It's a war that at the moment I'm losing, but it keeps me busy for an hour or two a day. And it's good to be in the fresh air, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and and I think the last time you and I saw each other face to face was was back in July. We had lunch and it was not long after we'd lost John O'Coleman. It still seems yeah. unreal that he's not about. It does. Um, I heard from Marco, his wife, uh, the other day. I periodically, obviously, I'll send her emails and messages and um I mean, it's very hard to take it in the the age of sixty five for somebody who was so vibrant and full of life and and so much fun um, was taken through uh, prostate cancer and subsequent issues regarding it. And it's appropriate, isn't it, that we're we're talking about John Owen, remembering him, and highlighting. I hope. Um, the dangers of prostate cancer and, and, and the fact that you must get a check, guys, if you don't feel quite right. Yeah, it's still a, you know, a big blow, really. What The worst thing was not being able to go to Australia to pay my respects for his funeral. It was complete lockdown, two weeks in a hotel. I mean, uh, there was a lot of people who knew him from the UK who couldn't do that. Uh, but... We had a little memorial in a bar in Soho where a lot of us turned up who'd worked with him. And that was nice, raised the glass, and we had some pictures of him on the bar and um, had his favourite drink and what have you and just remember great stories. Um, and I think there might be a little memorial later this year. But I really wanted to be there because, you know, we worked together for so long and, been through a lot and uh, we were really good mates and uh, I miss him but you know that is life I know it sounds corny but it is life it's horrible yeah. sometimes there was a nice Radio Academy tribute that you were part of that I that, that came together yeah. well was that Nick Pitts put that together yes it, yeah, it was Nick that was um, really well done it was brilliant and uh, the guys Steve at the Radio Academy um, and it was just a fitting tribute and um there's a bit at the end of it uh, where there's loads of pictures of Jono throughout his career and his life and the Beatles and Here Comes the Sun and I still can't watch it now uh, without um, tearing up a little bit because he loved the Beatles and um, those pictures summed up uh, his considerable footprint, I think, on um, broadcasting and, and life in general. Everyone who met him loved him. Yeah. How long did you work together at Virgin when it was the Ross and John O'Breakfast show? Six years, more or less. Five years on breakfast, a little bit on drive, um, which wasn't so successful. It was difficult, you know, but they brought Evans in and um, Chris was there with his team and they said, why don't you do drive time, guys? It's a great idea, said the Australian PD. And um, yeah, that was Australian. Um and um, I think it lasted 
three or four months and um, and that was it. Jono went off to heart. I stayed a virgin, uh, which subsequently became absolute and ended up doing 23 years in that building. And then we got together, as you know, um, Fix Radio doing uh, our show on there that you were the instigator for, Graham. God bless you. And oh, it was, um, uh, we had you, a great you time I, doing that. You, you and I were, were, were communicating and then... Uh, and then I just thought, well, I wonder if, if Ross and Jono would get back because you just you'd done the Ross and Jono rebooted podcast. Yes, this is we're talking about a, well about three four years ago now, and I thought, oh, yeah. I wonder if I wonder if they could do it, and, and we did it. Technically, I'm still not sure how we did it with Jono in Sydney, uh, and, and you in London, and it just sounded like you were both in the same room, and it sounded like no time had passed at all. You just it was, back it was interesting, it. you know, we were we were kind of like Graham, weren't we? The sort of forerunners to what everybody else was going to be doing yes. quite soon in lockdown. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when I was working a lot for Talk Sport and Talk Sport 2, hosting a lot of sporting events during lockdown, this was my studio and that bit of software allowed me to do it because we couldn't go to grounds. We couldn't go to boxing arenas. We couldn't go into the studio. It just, you know. And so we were we were at the Vanguard, Graham, thanks to you. <laughs> I mean, you'd been apart for, it was over 20 years, wasn't it, to, to do the Russ and Jono rebooted podcast. What was that yes. like when you first, because that one, Jono was over in London, wasn't he, and you did them as a, as a series. What was it like being back in a studio and looking at him at, over the other side of the mic? Amazing. Amazing. Like falling off a log. Really? I mean, yeah, I mean, look, people who listened to him might have thought, oh, they don't sound quite as good as they used to. They might have thought we sounded better. Who knows? Uh, but from a working point of view, to just be in the same room as him uh, with yeah. a couple of microphones and uh, him saying, what are we doing, mate? And I said, don't worry, just follow my lead, which is what we used to do, kind of. And it just worked. And... Um, I seem to recall we met up with you, didn't we, after we'd recorded one or two of those for a, a Swifty round the corner at the Riding House Cafe, if memory that's serves right. me right. That's right, we uh, did. It, and that's, it, 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 it was great. Because I wanted to get you on radio and that and that all worked out great yeah. as well. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, it, it was quite the thing. Yeah, after all those years. How long, we were, how long were we there? And I'm not being rude when I say what, that. Yeah, about a year. I think it was about maybe. that, maybe a bit more, maybe a bit more maybe. than a year. It was great fun. It was great fun. Hour a day, 12 it, to 1. It was it? surreal for me because, as you know, when I first, you know, I started in broadcasting in Australia and came to the UK in 97 to work at 2CR in Bournemouth. And as I was driving from Heathrow, the flight had arrived early in the morning. As I was driving from Heathrow to Bournemouth in the rental car, I put the radio on and the Ross and John O'Breakfast Experience was the first British radio I'd heard in 14 years because... You know, there was no real internet radio then, and uh, and I'd well, lived it was in Australia, Australian, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so and I put it on, but for Ross and Jono to be the the first British radio show I heard, but for then years later for me to hire Ross and Jono, that is just that's just yes. amazing, just amazing. Weird, isn't it? Funny it old is. business that somebody once <laughs> Yeah, it was it, great. It really I mean, is. we had a, we had a lot of fun and. He was ill at the time, as you know. He was beginning to fire. Couldn't tell on the air, though. No, you couldn't. Uh, the spread of the cancer. And every time I went home, we used to record once a week. Here's some secrets. And we record five one-hour shows. 
uh, in one session. And then uh, so the producer and one or two of the other lads and girls helped us out, put it all together, and it was amazing. But he would phone me or text me immediately after every show when he got home <laughs> to Rush Cutters Bay. We had this beautiful apartment with a swimming pool. And he would just say, I just love doing the show. That was so funny. This was funny. Maybe we should do more of this. It's fantastic. We're back on the radio. And I think for Jono, it certainly was for me, but in his circumstance, it was a real pick-me-up uh, looking back on it, perhaps more so than I realised at, at, at the time. And he'd send me pictures of his lunch or his dinner or whatever he was having, you know, food was always top of the agenda. Um, but it was, it, we had some very, very happy times again. And you don't often get to experience that when you split up with somebody and it's been so many years, if you know what I mean. But it was great. And the great thing about today with, with podcasting, the difference between podcasting and radio, those shows on are, apart from some best ofs and some, some compilations that you and I have, they're not really available, but the the Russ and Jono rebooted podcast is still out there and people are still downloading them and they'll be there forever. Well, they should so, put the shows out as well. They should. I mean, they great. They'd put the old Virgin shows out too, wouldn't it? But, you know. Yeah, I don't think they'll do that. Yeah, such a shame. But for now, we've got Russ and Jono rebooted. The podcast is at number six this week on the Pod 20. Into the top five now, and at number five, Smartless, Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett connect people from all walks of life. Four, My Favourite Murder with Karen Gilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. Lifelong fans of true crime stories, Karen and Georgia tell each other their favourite tales of murder and hear hometown crime stories from friends and fans. Number three, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. After 25 years at the late night desk, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So, he started a podcast to fix that. 2. Stuff You Should Know If you've ever wanted to know about champagne, Satanism, the Stonewall Uprising, Chaos Theory, LSD, El Nino, True Crime and Rosa Parks, then look no further. Josh and Chuck have you covered. And the first number one of 2022... Crime Junkie. Happy New Year, Crime Junkies. I'm your host, Ashley Flowers. And I'm Britt. And the story I have for you today is one that I wanted to tell in January for Stalking Awareness Month. It's about a woman who was stalked for over 20 years. But because stalking is so widely misunderstood, she wasn't even sure if what she was experiencing was even a crime. And by the time it escalated into something even more dangerous, the measures put in place to protect her life were too little, too late. This is the story of Mary Lynn Witherspoon. On November 14th, 2003, Jane Welchel is having a pretty ordinary day when she receives a really out-of-the-ordinary phone call. It's her mother's best friend, and she's calling to let Jane know that her mother didn't show up for work that morning. You see, Jane's mother, Mary Lynn Witherspoon, is a French teacher at a school in Charleston, South Carolina. And not only did she not show up to school that morning, but she didn't even call in for a substitute. 
And that's not like her at all. Like, Mary Lynn loves teaching. She loves her students and she loves French. She wouldn't just not show up to school, especially without making prior arrangements. So right away, Jane knows something isn't right. So had anyone tried to contact Mary Lynn or, like, gone over to her house to check on her? Yeah, actually, according to Keith Morrison's reporting for NBC News, the school principal and another person on the staff had gone over to Mary Lynn's house. They knocked on the door, but Mary Lynn never answered. They even took a look around the house and didn't see anything that really worried them, to be honest. Like, there's no broken glass anywhere, and Mary Lynn's car wasn't there. So at first, I think any normal person would probably be thinking that maybe she'd just gone somewhere on her own. Except Except it's a school day, and that would have been completely unlike her. Right. So her daughter Jane is panicked. And she's feeling really helpless because she lives three hours away from Charleston. So she can't even like go over herself and just like hop over to the house to see if there's anything wrong or look for her mother. So her mind is just jumping to all kinds of conclusions. So Jane and her husband get in the car and start heading to Charleston to get answers for themselves. But along the way, they contact police to report Mary Lynn missing. And luckily, this isn't one of those cases where police tell them to wait 24 hours or something like that. Oh, goodness. They get to work immediately. And Jane actually gives them permission to enter Mary Lynn's home by force while she makes her way there. And that's what they do. Now, although Mary Lynn's colleagues didn't notice anything wrong when they checked the outside of the house, as soon as police enter, they come to a totally different conclusion. Because according to an Associated Press report published by the item, when police enter, the house seems off. Like, for example, they notice jewelry on the floor as well as an apple, plus some food in the kitchen that looks like it was kind of just left there mid-meal. As they continue searching the property, they notice a broken spindle on a staircase leading up to the second floor. So that's where they head next, following this trail upstairs into Marilyn's bedroom. And when they walk in, that's when they really know something bad happened here. They see drawers are open, things have been rifled through, and there are clothes all over the floor. So basically, the place had been ransacked. Pretty much. I mean... Maybe you could look at it as if Mary Lynn had just left in a panic or something. But if that's what police are thinking, that theory is proven wrong as soon as they enter the second floor bathroom. Because that is where they find Mary Lynn, dead in her bathtub. Yeah. Crime junkie number one on this week's Pod 20. And that's it for episode 89. Thanks to this week's guests, Russ Williams, Nick Randall, Ashley Flowers, and Brad Pruatt. Next week, my guest is Nikki Bannerman from the Influential Women podcast. Thank you, Graham. What an honor with a multi-award winning broadcaster like yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki Bannerman, my special guest next week on the Pod 20. In the meantime, you can watch extended video chats with my guests on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And what will happen on the podcast radio chart next week? Will your favorite podcast make it to number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, on Fridays at 5pm and across the weekend on podcast radio and influence the pod 20. Make a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.